I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa, so sweatpants, sweatshirt. Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to Jonji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at Jonji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I.com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge Caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. So that's that in. I'm Nate Hedgie here today with a couple of my favorite people, Felix Poon. Hey, hey. And Jung Yoon Han. Hello. And Felix, you got, you got something for us. Yeah. So we got an email from one of our listeners named Lucy Alasso. Mm-hmm. And Lucy has a problem which is that she's heard that synthetic fabrics like polyester and spandex are bad for the environment and bad for your health. Mm. But she's also like, I would love to have a comfortable pair of leggings. I actually had to go down an escalator in Macy's to get to this level. So I actually called Lucy and we met up at the Mall of New Hampshire to do some shopping. 90% polyester, 10% spandex, 50% nylon. Do you know what fleece is made out of? Fleece, by the way, is just another kind of polyester. No. No. Nope. No, thank you. This is really tough because most yoga pants are just all made out of spandex. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, and, and so Lucy was looking at places like EMS or REI. It's all made from these synthetic plastic-based fabric. What the heck is that? And when we do find something that's supposed to be more sustainable, we don't really understand what we're looking at. Tencel? Tencel? Wood? Wood in my clothing? I've never even heard of tencel. Tencel? Is that what she said? Yeah, tencel. I don't know what these words mean. <laughs> well, so do you all pay this close attention to your clothes as Lucy does? I don't. No. No. Well, after you hear what I'm about to tell you, you might never look at your clothes in the same way again. Textiles account for up to 10% of global greenhouse gas emissions. 
That's more than all the international flights and shipping emissions combined. Not to mention the water pollution and health risks from manufacturing and wearing those clothes. So today on the show, an installment of this, that, or the other thing, clothing edition. It's a series about the choices we make in our lives to try and build a more sustainable world, whether they have any effect, and what we can do instead if they don't. What fabrics are better for your health and better for the environment? Are synthetics really worse than natural fibers like cotton or wool? And in the end, does it matter what you wear or what you buy? Stay tuned. Okay, so how would you describe your style? Um, I really like dresses and skirts. One of my friends described it to me as uh, cute business casual. <laughs> That's an awesome style. <laughs> what about you? Um, my wife would say monochrome. I do have these really cool whale shirts that you guys have seen and these cool salmon shirts. It was fun. Yeah, I have fun shirts, but for the most part, my I would describe my style as crap. <laughs> so so generally do either of you like really care about the kind of fabric definitely when i'm running or doing something outdoors i will not wear anything that's cotton because i want to f- i don't want to feel the sweat so anything like any of those gym clothing fabrics i don't know what they're called but make it like sweat wick or sweat dry you know i'd be the same so for lucy she's cared about her health and the environment since at least college but she really got concerned about what her clothes were made of after scrolling on Instagram one day. There was some kind of post about Thinks underwear. Do you know what Thinks menstrual underwear is? Yes. My sister was one of the biggest proponents of them and gifted me several underwears and the leggings too. So for those who don't know, menstrual underwear is a reusable alternative to disposable pads or tampons. Which sounds pretty green, right? Like, that's part of what they're selling, that this is a sustainable product. My Thinks underwear was like the only vice, one of the few vices I had in my life that I just didn't want to know all those years where that I was wearing it before this reader asked the question if it had PFAS chemicals. So this is Jesse and Choi, the reporter behind a sustainability advice column for Sierra Magazine called Ask Miss Green. And PFAS, for those who don't know, stands for per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances. That's a mouthful. What is that? So they're added to things to make them water-resistant and Mm grease-resistant, which is why they're used in rain jackets and uniforms so they don't have to be washed so often. The problem is they've been linked to all sorts of health issues, like increased risks of cancer and birth defects, Uh and they pretty much never break down, which is why they sometimes get called forever chemicals. Anyway, so someone writes into her column and asks about menstrual underwear, which Jessian loves, and they want to know if they have PFAS chemicals in them. So I mailed my menstrual underwear, my thanks to Professor Graham Peasley. And surprise, there was PFAS chemicals in her thanks wow. underwear. And the plot just thickened like my uterus lining that sheds every month since then. What a metaphor. <laughs> So when you wear them, did it like how does it how, does it spread or like how does that work? Yeah, how does that work? Does, are we should we be panicking about the PFAS chemicals in our clothes? That's a great question. 
But hold that thought. I'm going to get to that really soon. Okay. okay. So Jessian writes about her PFAS thinks, and then Lucy eventually reads about it on Instagram. My reaction was like, what the f***? Are you serious? And that gets her totally freaked out, not just about menstrual underwear, but about all her clothes. It was kind of like a disbelief moment of like, wow, can I actually trust companies who are making me things? Or do we have to go back to like agrarian society where we all are all like waxing our, our leather boots and hides because PFAS are like in Gore-Tex and on our rain jackets. I can definitely see how this story could really freak a person out. Yeah, for Lucy, she's really focused on synthetic fabrics like polyester, nylon, and spandex. They're all basically made from plastic. Mm -hmm. And she's right that there are some big red flags when it comes to these things. When it comes to synthetic fibers, they are, of course, synthetically made. So they are actually built in some ways, molecule by molecule, by humans. So, of course, there are chemicals involved in this process all the way. This is Yul Svedland. He's the co-founder of a sustainable outdoor clothing consulting company in Sweden. And some of them are stable and stay within the fiber, and some of them might leak out. And we're not just talking about PFAS. Solvents in dyes can be toxic, for example. Studies have found textile workers are at higher risk of cancer from being directly exposed to them all the time. All colors are chemicals. Uh, they can come from minerals or natural sources, but mostly they come from synthetic sources. And consumers can be affected too. Like a few years back, Delta rolled out these new uniforms that gave a bunch of their employees rashes, fatigue, and migraines. What? Oh my God. And then there's antimicrobial treatments that are added for odor control, especially in synthetic clothes, because they're actually more odor prone. But they disrupt your endocrine system and microbiome, according to Yule. And lastly, I want to mention microplastics, which are these teeny tiny plastic particles that are basically everywhere now. They're in the oceans, they're in the fish we eat, they're even in us, inside of human blood. And a major source for them are synthetic textiles. Oh, they're no. always shedding them, especially when they're washed. There's still a lot we don't know about just how harmful microplastics are to human health. But Jessian, the Sierra Magazine columnist, she says, better not to take your chances. Everything I like about clothes is actually bad for me. This is terrible, Felix. You're ruining my day. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to run in now. I know. Give us hope, Felix. Well, before I can give you hope, I think I need to uh, give you some more scary stuff. Okay. Great. Um, <laughs> Fine. So in a lot of cases, natural fibers like cotton, wool, and linen, they're not necessarily any better. Like, sure, they're made from plants and animals instead of plastic, but the manufacturing process is more alike than you think. If you take wool or cotton or hemp, you have to produce spinnable fiber, which can then be turned into a yarn, which can be turned into a fabric. And all along this production chain, you have a lot of chemicals. The same goes for clothes made from bamboo and eucalyptus trees that are often touted as renewable, eco-friendly materials. They're marketed on clothing tags as viscose, rayon, and lysol. And Jesse and Choi told me that these fibers especially can be pretty toxic to garment workers. And then even though we think of microplastics as being this really scary thing, mm -hmm. Yul says natural fibers also shed tiny particles. 
And even though they'll break down faster than plastics, they can have environmental impacts too. And if you look at the volume, generally uh, they see that the natural fibers are shedding more. So, so you, you cannot point out the, the synthetic fibers as, as bad and the natural fibers as good. You had to go from fiber to fiber and look, what's the content of, of this fiber? As for PFAS, it can be applied to any material, not just synthetics. The things underwear Lucy got really freaked out about are actually made mostly from cotton. And so you're not necessarily safer from PFAS just by wearing clothes from all natural fibers. So should we just go naked? Is that the solution? <laughs> just no fibers at all. All right. End of episode. There we go. So before y'all freak out about your clothes, Yule says it's probably not your clothes you should be worried about because the dangers of PFAS come mostly from ingesting them, like through household items like nonstick cookware and even some types of floss. But mostly it's ingested through contaminated drinking water and food. If you take a glass of water from somewhere, you might have low trace levels of PFAS in them. So maybe we don't need to worry about things underwear then because the PFAS that we're getting into our bodies is actually coming from stuff we drink and eat. Nobody's eating things. I mean, menstrual underwear is in contact with one of the most absorbent parts of the human body. But Yul says there isn't enough research to say that PFAS can be absorbed through your skin. So you're right, worrying about PFAS in your clothes in general might not be worth the anxiety. Although maybe the reason there's PFAS in our water is because companies are putting them in everything, right? Yeah, manufacturing stuff and dumping them in landfills are major sources for contaminated drinking water. So we don't need to be anxious about PFAS in our clothes. We just have to be anxious about everything. <laughs> exactly. Moving on from impact on human health, let's talk about the impact of clothing on the planet. Because our listener Lucy also cares about her carbon footprint, which is another reason she's avoiding synthetics, because they're made from plastics that are derived from fossil fuels. Like literally, manufacturers melt these little plastic pellets and then stretch them into threads. It's actually really fascinating. You can watch this in YouTube videos. But looking at just greenhouse gas emissions, which of these do you think has a higher carbon footprint, polyester or cotton? Polyester, which is oil-based, yeah. versus cotton. Yeah. I'm going to say polyester. I think cotton. Oh, head-to-head. Why, why, why do you say cotton, Jungyun? Um, Isn't it a very water-heavy plant or something? I just feel like something about producing it, cleaning it, like processing it to the form that we use for clothing might take a lot. So I think that's why. Fair. So you're both wrong. Oh, great. <laughs> because they basically have the same carbon footprint. No kidding. Well, we're both right then. We would both be right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Kind of, right? I guess that's a positive way of looking at it. You're both right. Yeah, let's spin it right. <laughs> okay, so you're both right. <laughs> Polyester is made from fossil fuels, which isn't great. But growing cotton comes with all sorts of agricultural impacts, like you were hinting at, Jungyun. Mm -hmm. You know, think of the pesticides and fertilizer, which can be made from fossil fuels themselves. Nice. Thank you. Or just the energy of farming operations, uh, even potentially deforestation. But when we do look at all the environmental impacts, including water depletion and water pollution, some say that cotton is worse than polyester. Like, there's this thing called the Hig Index, which is supposed to be this industry standard way of measuring all those things. According to that, cotton is almost three times worse for the planet than polyester. 
Wow. Yeah, but a big caveat. There are lots of critics of the Higg Index, many who say it's got a pro-synthetics bent. Okay. And all of this back and forth over materials might be missing the point big time. There was a report released this year that said the industry focuses its efforts too much on so-called preferred materials, when what the data really shows is that making the material, whether it's polyester or cotton or whatever, it's only about 20% of the clothing industry's emissions. Hmm. The rest of the process, like spinning the yarn, making the fabric, sewing the clothes, that all makes up 80%. Wow. So the biggest factor actually comes down to how clean or dirty the energy grid is, where the clothes are being made. Huh. So it's about the process where you bring the materials and turn it into clothing. That's what matters more. Yeah, the process, is it being powered by a renewable energy grid or by a dirty coal fossil fuel-based energy grid? So then, are you saying Lucy's assumption is incorrect, that it's it's kind of futile to say, like, get rid of all synthetics and I'll, I'll only try to get naturals? I think, I think um, to Lucy, I would say, if it makes you feel better to wear natural fibers, uh, to, especially towards your body, please do. But make sure that the natural fibers you're choosing are free from toxins as far as you can know it. So you need to investigate what type of fibers are there and uh, what the, do the sellers say uh, they actually contain. This kind of sounds like a lot of work. I, I think we need an intrepid reporter to help guide us. Like Felix. Towards making these good decisions, Felix. <laughs> what do you got? We rely on you. Well, thanks to Jesse and Choi and Yul Svedland, I've compiled a few things you can do to make good decisions. First, when it comes to being safe from toxic chemicals, you should look for third-party certifications like BlueSign, GOTS, Okotex, and ZDHC. Do those mean anything, though? Because I see some like food items having like some sort of certification. I'm like, I don't know if this actually means anything or if it's just a branding gimmick. Yeah, like all natural, you know, like it means nothing. Yeah, Jessian says that there's companies that'll make these like bogus logos that look green and look mm-hmm. legit, but they're actually just yeah. made up marketing. We'll put a list of some legit certifications in the show notes, but I will admit it's not like knowing these makes shopping easy or anything. You still have to find brands that are using them, and they tend to be a bit pricier, and, you know, the stuff you do find might not be your style. Right. And then when it comes to the carbon footprint of your clothes, according to data from the Our World and Data Project, the, the worst places for greenhouse gas emissions where clothes are made are countries like Indonesia, India, and China. We'll put a list of more countries and how they rank in the show notes. I guess I was just hoping for a list of brands. Yeah, like like shop here for the rest of your life and you'll be good. Well, there are lists of accepted and rejected brands that ethical fashion groups have put together online. And we'll put a link to those in the show notes. We're going to have some busy show notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but there is one particular brand experts say you should definitely avoid. Plus, there's a much simpler framework for thinking about sustainable clothing. And awesome. we're going to talk about all of that after the break. But first, before the break, I want to share some of the voicemails we got from our listeners. In the episode, The Race to Net Zero, Building a Car-Free Future, we asked you to tell us about cars, commutes, and public transit where you live. And you delivered. 
Hi, my name is Liv, calling from D.C. I lived in Boston for a while. I actually lived in Somerville. So when you guys were talking about the Orange Line and public transportation in Boston, I kind of had to laugh. And driving in Boston, oh, my God, when that woman was saying, it's insane, I felt that so much. Anyway, um, really like this program and glad I found it. Hey, this is Garrett from Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. actually has really great public transportation, I think. Uh, meanwhile, D.C. has really improved its biking and pedestrian infrastructure, so I bike into work a lot, uh, but I am convinced that I'm going to be killed by a car one day. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'll hear this on the radio. Thanks. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you've got any thoughts about this episode or any other Outside In episodes you've listened to, let us know what you think. Give us a call at 1-844-GO-OTTER, or you can send us a voice memo at outsidein at nhpr.org. Okay, we'll be right back. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, you're listening to Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie here with Zhang Yun Han and Felix Poon, who is just telling us about a much easier way to dress sustainably and to figure out what stuff we should buy. Felix. Help us out here. So let me start by asking, do either of you know what haul videos are? Haul videos? Haul videos. No. no. Is it on TikTok? Wait, yeah, on TikTok where they're like, I went to Costco and this is my haul. Like I hauled all this stuff. Yes. It is. Oh. Yeah, I do know what they are. Yes, so let me play you some clips from a few haul videos. Okay. So I have an insanely large Sheen haul. Oh my God. I think that this is the biggest unboxing I've ever done on YouTube. (laughs) This is crazy. It's like Christmas. So I ordered over 80 items and I'm so excited to open them all up. I have a very bad addiction. I know someone seriously needs to take my credit card away from me. It's getting so bad at this point. Yeah, I would watch these all the time on YouTube. So <laughs> yeah. this is the these are the kinds of things that I used to watch when I was very young. 
Yeah, so these particular TikTokers and YouTubers we just heard are part of this bigger cultural trend of fast fashion, mm -hmm. where you buy tons of new clothes for super cheap and you only wear them a few times. Like, literally, some of these clothes can only survive a handful of washes before they fall apart. Really? They're basically disposable clothing. Mm. I've had clothes like that that I didn't want to be disposable and then they fell apart <laughs> and I was just frustrated. I'm like, I'm never going to H&M again. And you could guarantee that they would come out with these YouTube videos like every season because, so, because it's just not durable enough. So the same videos would come out every single time, every single year. Seems so wasteful. Yeah, a lot of these haul videos feature clothes from the number one brand everyone should avoid, Shein. They add thousands of new styles every single day and it is cheap. Like they have pretty stylish shirts that cost just a few bucks. I mean, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum here, but <laughs> the number one thing every expert I spoke to said, if you take nothing else from this episode, it's that you should simply buy less clothing, wear your clothes for longer, take care of them more sustainably. Uh, on that last point, it's pretty straightforward. It just means don't wash your clothes until you really have to wash on a cold cycle and hang dry your clothes instead of using a machine. You'll use less energy and extend the life of your clothes. Huh. It also means learning to patch a ripped pair of jeans, for example, or hemming something that doesn't fit anymore, or taking your shoes to a cobbler to fix them rather than throwing them away. I ripped a skirt on accident, so I think it's time to learn how to sew that up now. Yeah, sewing <laughs> skills. I like this. Yeah. You can also bring them to a tailor. I've had some pants repaired by tailors. By Taylor mm. Quimby? <laughs> <laughs> we can bring all of our clothing to Taylor. To tailor them. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. So bring all your clothes to Outside In. Senior <laughs> producer, Taylor Quimby. You can send it to uh, Billsbury Street. <laughs> Point is, sustainability advocates say it's best for consumers to think about cost per wear, which shifts the focus away from fabric type to the number of uses per item. The more uses, the better. This is what my coworker and I were just talking about to justify buying an $80 shirt because that for us is quite expensive. But we'd be like, well, it's going to last longer. It's also cute and it'll we'll, we'll keep it for a long time. Yeah. And also recognizing like clothes are more than just keeping us warm, right? Like it's culture, it's identity, and these are fluid and they change. Mm -hmm. So if you do want to get out there and add some new clothes to your wardrobe, why not buy something used, right? Like, have you two ever hit the thrift store before? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Or REI. REI's got like a garage sale thing where you can go and you can buy the stuff that people return for like steep discounts. And it's like mm. been gently used, but it's great. I didn't know that. But yeah, yeah I'm yeah. a big fan of thrift stores. I have a membership with my local one. So good discounts. Oh, membership. You get a membership. Yeah. There's a deal. Yeah, thrift stores are great. Yeah, thrift stores and those donation boxes you sometimes see in parking lots. Um, they're great, but they also come with problems of their own. The amount of clothes that get dumped on thrift stores is way more than they need. Most used clothes actually end up getting exported to African countries where some clothes are resold, but a lot of them just end up in landfills or burnt in open fires or littered in riverbeds or washed out to sea. Oh, okay, so the literal three bags of clothes that I need to bring to Goodwill this week because I just did a total spring cleaning of my closet. Should I bring them to Goodwill? Well, there is a different way to donate and thrift your clothes that seems to be getting more popular that maybe you can think about. I got this like varsity skirt situation 
And I also got like a, I don't know, like baseball-esque hoodie. Nice. It's fire. What'd you get rid of? I got rid of a Nike vintage hoodie from the 90s. So recently, our show's senior producer, Taylor Quimby, stopped by a clothing swap in Bed-Stuy in New York City. Mm-hmm. Bed-Stuy is a predominantly black neighborhood and also, fun fact, the largest collection of Victorian-era buildings in the U.S. Huh. So Taylor was chatting with folks, browsing through some clothing racks set up in one of those pandemic-era restaurant booths on the side of a busy street. I feel like there were some really good finds here. We came a little late. And the way it works is that if you bring clothes to the swap, then you get to take clothes. I can. So this is just a lot more fun way to do it. Yeah. Can you show me what'd you bring? Oh my god. No. Right when you talked to me, my friend like picked up this dress, and I was like, Oh, it's my dress. I was like, I brought this over. (laughs) I was like, Lily might like that. Just that process of letting it go is usually hard. You know, capital is attached to clothing. This is Akira Charles. Akira was the one who started Bed-Stuy Clothes Swap in 2018 because she didn't have a lot of money. And then it quickly grew into something much bigger. I think what we're doing is also like a healing movement too, getting to the root of racism and all these other colonial elements and how we connect with consumption and, and letting go of things. So clothes swaps are not like thrift stores. Akira says dumping our clothes in countries that we don't want anything to do with is colonialism. And they don't want to replicate that here at Bed-Stuy. Mm-hmm. And clothes swaps can also be these vehicles for community organizing. Like someone in Boston I spoke to said their swap last fall helped an Afghan refugee family get some warm clothes for the winter. A homeless man stopped by to get a jacket. And a person in recovery got some things to rebuild his life. So they can be vehicles for mutual aid. For Bed-Stuy, it's a vehicle for racial justice. The group centers people of color and is led by people of color. And they see themselves as filling in the gaps in the sustainable fashion movement. Usually, like, climate justice information is just not written for people of color. Um, And we realize, like, we are going to, you know, fill in those gaps and, and be that collective to do that work. In college, we did this all the time with people who we didn't even know across campus, but it felt really nice to know that the clothing that we brought would go to someone else and that there would be a story to go with it. It felt more personal to see that everyone is kind of committed to to this idea of reusing clothing, caring for each other. I always felt really heartwarmed by it. Yeah, it's good stuff. So so maybe instead of... Uh... Dropping off those three bags at the Goodwill. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say don't do it, but <laughs> I guess, well, this is what I want to get at too, is because like we in these hierarchies of of great things you can do, right? Like a clothing swap is something you could start with your your friends. It's also like it takes a lot of like organizing and ingenuity. Um like is it bad to take it to the thrift store as well? Well, so my takeaway is like It's not on you as an individual to solve these big problems, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the big takeaway is to try to buy less. Like, we as a society need to buy less. And thrift stores do have a place in the solution, and it's complicated, but you can try to avoid those complications if you swap your clothes. And, you know, I, I think the thing about living sustainably is that there's nothing that doesn't require any work. Yeah. Like it takes some amount of effort to change. Yeah. And with clothing swaps, I don't think it's that much more effort. If you Google for them or just search on Facebook, they're kind of everywhere. 
Even if you don't have time for a swap, you could just make a post in your local Facebook group or marketplace to get rid of your clothes. This reminds me actually of back when I was living in Juneau, Alaska, there was like a, a Juneau buy-sell trade where you could just put things up and say, so when we were moving, we had a tent and some clothing and other things that we just couldn't take with us. Instead of throwing it away, we just put it up on Facebook and said free, and people came by and they picked it up and they were able to use it. And so it's kind of like, it's, it, I, it feels like there's like these kind of swap situations in a lot of different, in a lot of different towns if you're willing to look just a little bit. So I called Lucy back up on Zoom and told her everything I reported on. Thanks for hopping on this call with me. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too and your fuzzy mic. The same fuzzy mic Mm -hmm. that we went to the mall with. So I called Lucy back up on Zoom and told her everything I reported on. In some ways, these findings of yours, like, confirm that I'm doing good and, like, confirm that things are as complicated as I thought they were. Uh, Well, I'm glad we could uh, all kind of join in this journey together. It's cool to feel like there are other people out there that are interested in these types of things. Um, Yeah, because in my own head, it can get lonely. Okay, that was a lot of knowledge we dropped on you in one episode. So we are going to put the big takeaways into our show notes. Things like certifications, accepted and rejected brand lists, and links to apps and websites geared towards slow fashion and buying, selling, and trading used clothes. And another thing we didn't mention, the New York State Legislature is considering a bill called the Fashion Act that's looking to hold big brands accountable to better labor and environmental standards. We'll put a link with more info in the show notes and some links for our New York listeners on how you can contact your assembly members and senators about it. And if you do end up going to a clothing swap or organizing one yourself, Tell us about it. Send pictures to us. We just might share them in our newsletter, which you can sign up for, by the way, at outsideinradio.org. Or we might share it in our social media. We're at Outside In Radio. This episode was produced by Felix Poon. It was mixed by Felix Poon and edited by Taylor Quimby. Our team also includes Jung Yoon Han, Justine Paradise, and Jessica Hunt. Rebecca Lavoy is our executive producer. Special thanks to all the researchers I spoke to in this episode, including those we didn't hear, Natasha Vandervelden and Gustav Sandin-Albertson. Music for this episode came from Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. I've had some pants repaired by Taylor's. By Taylor mm. Quimby? Sorry, that was <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. I do know how to sew. That's a junk joke. <laughs> That's a great joke. What are you talking about? <laughs> the living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.